Welcome back to Twice Upon a Time. This week, Roger and I watched Season 2, Episode 2, We Are Both. As always, we'll start off with a little synopsis. Not so little again, sorry. In the enchanted forest of the past, Regina wants to escape her wedding to the king, but Cora is using magic to keep her. Regina uses her mother's spell book to call Rumpelstiltskin for help. Regina then pushes her mother into the magic mirror that Rumpel gave her, trapping her in another realm. Despite now being able to escape, the draw of magic is too strong, and Regina decides to stay to be trained by Rumpel. In present-day Enchanted Forest, Snow and Emma are prisoners of Mulan and discover that Korra is a prisoner as well. In Storybrooke, they learn that they lose their Enchanted Forest memories if they cross the town line, ruining Rumpel's plans to find his son. Everyone looks to Charming to tell them what to do, but he's obsessed with getting to Snow and Emma. He asks Jefferson for help to use the hat, but he has to stop everyone from leaving the town and losing their memory. He succeeds, and Regina willingly lets Henry go, saying she wants to redeem herself. Roger, what do you think of this episode? It's fine. It's kind of moving the season along. I don't think it's a top five episode. I don't think it's one of my favorite episodes, but I had no issues with it. I think it had a lot to follow up on with the previous one being the premiere of the season, and it does a pretty good job. You? I liked this episode more than I remember liking this episode. I think there's, the same boat. there's a lot of really good lines in this episode. We learn a lot about characters. I think something in shows with flashbacks, after you sort of learn the basis of their character, sometimes it's hard to get to the point. You're like, oh, now I know everything. And they, I don't know everything. So I, I think I was impressed that they were still able to show me things that were interesting to me. I This is the start of Regina's redemption arc, and I... Love that, and I'm very much here for it. And I really like the parallels between what's going on. Like, Regina doesn't want to be her mother, and then she becomes exactly that and does it to Henry. So it's funny. I While I do enjoy, ultimately, the redemption arc, I think it comes too soon. Hmm. Like I, I, This is kind of like the point of, I didn't like them breaking the curse in season one. I don't like Regina basically sees episode two. She's like, I'm going to be a better person now. Like, things should have been gradual. Whereas this, she just takes a 180. I mean, it takes her a long time to get there. She just makes the declaration in this episode. Yeah, but that's what I mean. Like, mm. most people don't just make a declaration that I'm going to go from doing everything my way for 30 plus years. And then, all right, I'm going to be a better person. Like, no. She I has mean, a compelling reason to do so. Sure, I get it that she, like, wants to be will- worthy of her son's love. But it is, I wish it had been more of a, like I said, earned stake as opposed to just a declaration. And I also think we see in this episode that she didn't want to be this person. This isn't always what she wanted. And and she obviously made bad choices that got her to this point. But even after she got rid of her mother, she and she could leave. I mean, she does make the wrong choice to stay and learn magic, but she still just wanted to leave. And that's what she was doing. And then Rumpelstiltskin interferes. Almost like if she just wasn't surrounded by such weak men in her life that maybe she would have made better choices. <laughs> or, you know, if she herself could just make some better choices. Sure, but we are... Regina is a perfect example of we are the products of the parents that we get. And she is parented by a monster and a coward. Mm-hmm. She yes. was going to have a difficult time making the right choice. Because Henry Sr. is garbage. Yeah, he's absolute garbage. Yep. Absolute garbage. Let's talk about him for a second. Doesn't he... I don't know if it was this episode or the previous one, but I I think it was this episode where he specifically defends Korra's actions. 
Yeah, doesn't he say she wanted what's best for you or whatever? It's just not. <laughs> she had she had a rough life. Yeah, I mean, it's bizarre that, like, it's one thing to say that, like, okay, I acknowledge that she's terrible, but, you know, this is, we can't do anything about it and try to defend her actions. It's like, obviously, he really did love her. And I said this in previous episode. I I think he did care about her, but he was also deluded about her. Yes. Yes, he was. He is just... On the Mount Rushmore of weak men, (laughs) he is maybe number one. Are Are the presidents numbered on Mount Rushmore? (laughs) <laughs> that was an interesting uh, analogy you chose there. I mean, I feel like most people acknowledge that like, George Washington is the standard in which we hold all presidents to. Okay, I think most okay. people would probably call him I'll number one. I'll accept that. I'll accept that. Uh, do you want to start? Where do you want to start? The three, three storylines to choose from here. So I have two pieces I want to start with. Let's start with the cold open and the dwarves. Okay. Uh, what's the plural again? I know there's a debate on dwarfs. this. Dwarfs. Dwarfs. Uh, Leroy and crew are investigating the town line. Not sure why they are investigating this. They are the Queen's guards. This is their job. They are loyal to Snow White. I don't know. Excellent. This is what Leroy has decided. Then shouldn't they be, I don't know, going to find the Queen? Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. So they draw straws to determine that we're going to have an experiment and figure out what happens when you cross the town line. He could have died. And yeah. they would have just sacrificed the short straw here. He absolutely could have died. This is an ice cold. Dr- and he's like hesitant. Lure's like, oh, for heaven's sake. And just shoves him over. I mean, it's played for last. But also like, dude, what if he'd been really jacked up? This is also not the first time that the dwarves will be responsible for testing what happens at the town line. I mean, again, it's a funny trope that they go to. But at this point in time, it's an insane decision. It, it is insane. Also, I love... Leroy as town crier oh is gosh. one of my favorite terrible news. Well, the best part too is that Henry says it's always it's all, there's always good news right when everything seems bleak. Terrible news! Like it's just such perfect timing. Like he has very good comedic timing in that moment. You're just like, hmm. You sure about that there, Henry? That's true. Um, the next place I want to start with is Gold. We normally wait for him at the end, but I think he's kind of minimal in this episode, so I think it's a good way to at least as Gold. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my favorite pieces is when he tries to say please to Regina. Me too. Because she just looks terrified, like I'm compelled to listen to him. And she's like, oh, wait. Your pleases have lost their punch. That's a Excellent great line. line. That's a great line. And, and it's weird that he would still think it worked. I, I, I didn't understand what his logic there was other than to allow her to deliver that line. Also, I would like to back up to just Regina approaching gold at all. What a move! She just kidnapped his girlfriend and he found out about it and tried to murder her. And then she goes to ask him for help. (laughs) And she gets what she asked for! So, I often say this. All of the people blame Rumpelstiltskin for their problems, but whenever they need something, even if he just tried to commit homicide... Actually, again, he did not try to kill her. He unleashed a wraith that tried to kill. That's an important distinction, Mm -hmm. contractually speaking. Yeah, no, and she and she does actually get what she wants from him, which is well, so it's funny though. She gets what she wants, but he knows it's not really what she wants. Yes. So he's basically letting her be her own worst enemy. Absolutely. And yet for some reason she never understands that the fact that the man who just tried to murder you is willing to help you is probably a sign that you're being set up. It's true. But Although also we learn in the second rumple scene that we get in this episode that all he really wants right now is for people to just leave him the fuck alone. And it was really easy for him to give her that book 
it was gonna he knew it wasn't gonna work or give her what she wanted anyway and she left as soon as he gave it to her not to get into this too much but the reason why i don't think the things that rumple does bother him is that he really just wants to be left alone yeah. so he's more or less just like give me peace and go away and stay out of my business although it's sort of like the if you negotiate with terrorists situation if he keeps giving people what they ask for when they come to see him they're gonna keep coming back <laughs> Okay. <laughs> also, that as she's leaving, when he says Ooh. that she looks like her mother, which doesn't at that at the time that we hear it doesn't it we know Cora is not a good person, but we haven't seen sort of like the the original time when when she says people used to tell me I look like her when she was younger, so we like haven't heard that yet or seen the context, but she is hurt by those words. Yeah, I think he says, "I once said I didn't see it, and now I do," mm-hmm. and she is clearly hurt by that. Which and is- he's a hundred percent right. She acts very much like her mother. She uses the same spell to trap Henry in that tree as her mother does to prevent her from escaping. Like mother, like daughter. Actually, the same spell. Yep. No, it's uh, it's pretty good, and I actually think that in many ways, him cutting her down with the. Uh, line like that was probably more detriment that he was oh. ever going to need to do with the Wraith. Absolutely. Because that crushes her. Like, you can tell she is bothered by it. And she knows it's true. I think that's the part. Yeah. It's one thing for them to say. It's another thing for you to know it's true. I also love the interaction with Charming. Oh, me too. It's great. Well, what do you have? Not telling. <laughs> Let me see it. No. no. I have always loved that Charming, for one of the people who will deal with him, is not unaware of who exactly Rumple or Gold is. And he's just like, yeah, I need something from you. I'm not giving you any more information than you need because I know that you will trick me with this down the road. So just give me what I need and I will leave you alone. I will make the deal and be very specific. And it's great. I think Gold, to be quite honest, respects that Charming knows who he is and treats him for who he is. It's true. And he doesn't play it this way, but the thing that Gold actually wanted, he wants to be left alone, but he also actually wanted the information that Charming sort of half shared as he walked into the office was, what happens when you cross the town line. And he doesn't include it as part of a deal because he doesn't want Charming to know that he actually really wants to know that. Which is genius. Yeah, genius. Yeah. And he looks genuinely shocked that that is the case. This was not part of his plan. No, and what's interesting about that is that he throws the tantrum similar to the Dark One's tantrum when I think he either thinks Bell is killed or I don't remember exactly what triggers the tantrum yeah i think it's when he thinks bell is killed and he just destroys the dark mm. castle like he doesn't go as nuts here in storybrook but he smashes a couple cases and things like that there's a couple other i think there's a love the so simple even david nolan could do it line <laughs> great slap down line really good and i also thought it was very interesting that he because charming asked him about oh he doesn't but he tells him that portal jumping is outside of his purview which to us is sort of a little nod. We're like, oh, okay, he doesn't know how to use this hat or he can't use it for some reason, which is why he had to cast this whole curse in the first place, which Charming probably has doesn't know or hasn't thought about in that way, which I thought was a little interesting. And yeah, I mean, as I had said in that previous episode, the like Charming and Rumple dating advice, like I just like it when they interact. Oh yeah. It's great. Well, what I like about them is that they're honest with each other about who they are like they don't really try to deceive each other because they're just like i know you're a trickster and you're a schemer and i know you're a self-righteous prince so let's just be straight up with each other rumble stiltskin also has a really good line to regina uh, at the beginning where he asks like what's your motivations and she's like i don't want power i don't want to kill my friends i don't want to kill my enemies and he's like hard to believe you're from the same family <laughs> he looks genuinely shocked because he knows cora and cora's a monster 
that's a really good line. Um, and then I also love at the end when he appears in the mirror as, you know, almost like a precursor to Sidney Glass and just gives the little sign to give her a little push. <laughs> just, just push her. Just push her. And it's also kind of a, like a microcosm of Rumpelstiltskin being the puppet master in the background. Like, yeah. he doesn't do anything directly, but he just kind of like encourages people to give the push that they need, which is setting the chain of events here. And I think this is the first time that we learn that Rumpelstiltskin not only trains Regina in the ways of magic, but also Cora. Uh, so he's he's been intimately involved with her family for a long time. I mean, he has that like creepy little speech about holding her when she was a baby. Well, I didn't find that speech creepy at all. Mm. I thought it was actually pretty adorable. He knew Regina since she was a baby, which is why I never really thought there was a thing between them, because, you know, he held her as a baby, and that's weird. Yeah. I also love when she asks, what are you? And his, his response, rude. he's, what, what? <laughs> My, 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 what a rude question. I mean, that is a really rude question. It is question. a really rude question. The better answer would have been, I've been called a beast by some. <laughs> I, I also, he, he, I, I'm surprised that you feel no, ten, you don't see any sexual tension. Um, he, like, touches her face and, like, se- he's, like, says that he senses the power within her. And at this point, I think she's not. She's not at all interested. She's very, like, doe-eyed in all of these scenes. She just wants to get away from her mother. But then when he very pointedly asked her, how did it feel to use magic? He knew that that would... He knew how she felt when she does it, because he knows how he feels when he uses magic. And he convinces her to stay. Mm -hmm. All she wanted was to not marry the king, and she could have easily had that at that moment. And she chose to stay because she wanted the power so badly. I think you are misinterpreting their tension. Like, yes, he has desire, but it's not the desire for her. Mm. It's the desire that she is the one that can do what he desperately needs. I think that that is an alluring possibility to Rumpel. And we'll see that again later, which we don't need to get into too much here. But he... He... He says it in this episode. It's hard to love someone that wants you to be a better person. And it's way easier to be with someone that feels the same way that you do about power. I don't know. I, I mean, yes, I agree with that, but I don't think that's appealing to him because mm. he could have been with plenty of women like of that. Of course, but he's—that is not what it has ever appealed to him. Like, truthfully, mm. he's never been with those type of women. Okay. Not that we've seen. That's not true. Who? Well, we'll talk about it later. <laughs> so far, we have not seen... I mean, the worst... He made that mistake one time, I suppose. Mm-hmm. But other than that, it was like... And he didn't know that about her, to be fair. He thought she was a decent person. And he was wrong. Mm-hmm. But at the time, like, he knows Regina It does have a lust for power, which is why I think he just sees her as an ends to a mean. Or a means, means to, to an, an end. end. Yeah. I also... She asked what he gets out of it. Very, very oh, yeah. uh, charming question. Yep. What are you getting out of this? And he says, someday you'll do something for me. That, that is the thing. When he touched her and realized the power, that is what he realized right mm. there. You are the key to me I think he already I knew that. I think he thought it. I don't mm. think he knew because if he knew, he wouldn't have, as we see later, he tries this with some other people. And I also love when she asks, I don't want to be my mutt like my mother. Or, and he says, that's entirely up to you. Which is true. Yep. You're, I can give you all the power in the world, but you have to make the decision to turn you into your mother. Okay. Anything else on Rumple? I think that covers all my Rumple points. I think that covers everything. The only thing I'll say is that this, once again, is another example of Gold just being so close to getting what he wants that he can touch it. But 
And also, so you asked a question in the finale about why didn't he just wish for Bay to come back? That might have been had real consequences if he had tried to bring him back over, like, into this town line. Because now we see that going in and out of the town causes problems. That's not exactly what I said. I said, why didn't he wish for a way to get to Balefire? I think because you said wish for him to appear. Okay. If he had wished, if he had wished it, I think it would have worked. Maybe. It was a wishing well. Mm. But magic always has a price. Magic always has a price. Um, while we are here in the Enchanted Forest, want to talk about Regina and Cora? I always want to talk about Regina and Cora. Uh, power is freedom <laughs> from Cora. Which Great line. Great line. Very Cora line as well. And Do I, you disagree with that line? Yes. That's interesting. And I think Rumpel would too, later in life. I, I don't know that he would disagree with that line. I think he would say that it's freedom from one thing and entrapment in another thing. Mm. I also love when Regina asks, how did she get like this? How did Cora get like this? Me too, Regina. I want to know how Cora got like this. I feel like that's never well explained. They show the events that happened, but her being a complete monster is never really justified. Mm, I don't I don't think it's justified, but I think we see how we got there. I get I, like I, I think it's more logical why Regina became a monster because of all the terrible things that happened to her. I think Cora was always a monster and got like mm. bumped into being the evil queen's mother. She was always a terrible person. I think. I also want to talk about the mirror. So you had asked when Cora if if she just didn't know what the mirror was or if she didn't think that Regina had the guts to do it. And I think it's the latter. I think she knew absolutely that Regina talked to Rumpelstiltskin and where that mirror came from and what it would do. And I think she was sure that she had enough power to stop Regina from doing anything and that Regina wouldn't have the guts to do it. Such a stupid move. They just don't stand in front of the mirror. I get that you're cocky and arrogant, but like, I don't know. Just don't stand in front of that mirror. And I guess, I mean, she does stop like, Regina can't move her arms when she has her sort of entrapped with magic. And at that point, I don't I don't think Cora thought that Regina had it in her to use magic. Which is, that's how she, she like, sort of takes the magic ball and forms it herself and uses it to push her mother through the mirror. Yeah, I mean, it. She. it's kind of like um, Regina saying to Jefferson, I know you can't pull the trigger. This mm-hmm. is basically Cora saying to Regina, I know you can't pull the trigger. I just don't get why Cora wouldn't think that the, this girl who I've literally at this point killed her true love might want to get rid of you. Very arrogant. Yeah. Common family trait. Very common family trait. Absolutely. Um, also, I want to talk about one quick thing about we see Snow White get choked out. I'm sorry, not Snow White. Ten-year-old yeah. Snow White. A child. ABC showed a ten-year-old basically being murdered. It was just a fantasy that Regina was having, but... Yeah, that makes it better. I mean, it's not graphic, but it's just like, wow. I do think it's interesting that she doesn't... Because that happens before Rumpel, like, offers her power so that she can destroy her enemies. And even though she's sort of fantasizing about that, she doesn't... She might want that deep down or, like, in a certain way, but it is not... It has not consumed her whole being at this point. And then very quickly... (laughs) It does. See, that's what I, that's one thing I've always wondered. Why is it that her hate for Snow grows? I think because her resentment over her loss grows. Hmm. 
I, I mean, you're, you're kind of in a state of shock when you lose someone. Sure. And then her life never gets better. Like, she does marry the king, and we see all those sad scenes in the in the episode with Sydney where she he just sort of ignores her. And I think maybe she hoped that her life would get better, especially if her mother wasn't there to feed poison into her ear all the time. But like she's there for a while. I mean, Snow in that Sydney yeah. Glass episode is like 16, 17? Yeah. So six, seven years. like It's a long time to let your resentment grow. It is, but like you would think you would do something in between then. Like, if you wanted to kill Snow, really, I feel like killing 10 or 11-year-old Snow is a lot easier than grown adult Snow. I think that... I, I mean, something that I always struggle with, which, as a person that doesn't understand revenge, it's hard for me to fathom this, but the death isn't good enough for you. I think that she gets to that point, and I think Rumpel probably helps her get there because it's in his best interest for that to be the case. But she doesn't just want to kill Snow. She wants her to suffer forever. And you don't understand that, huh? No. Fascinating to me. Don't get it. Mm. Don't get it. Uh, Regina, so just, let's just stay with her, has one of the better lines that I've ever seen Charming get cut down with. I'm not going to take parenting advice from someone who put their daughter in a box and sent her to Maine. <laughs> That is a really good line. Her one-liners are just savage. Like, there is... And, like, Charming just looks shocked. He's like... Ah, and he just, like, keeps going. There's nothing he can really say to counter that. I I love any time Regina and Charming interact. David, whatever. I love it. Other than that one weird attempted seduction. I mean, that's weird. But I, I love when they are adversarial. I love when they're working together. We'll get some, some scenes in future. I mean... Now, currently, David is parenting Regina's son, and sometimes they're going to have to work together, which is kind of interesting. It's a stand-in for Emma. Yes, exactly. Uh, he's really not afraid of her, which is fascinating. I mean, he just almost got choked out, but twice in this episode, he, like, he bursts into her house. <laughs> With a sword. And he knows that she has magic at this point because she was in the town hall using magic in front of everyone. Charming is not a weak man. Nope. I love even the framing of this scene. Like, you kind of see it in the distance where he kicks the door down like someone storming a castle, runs in with a sword, and even says, whatever you can conjure, I can defeat. Mm -hmm. Which is like, you no. Know, <laughs> no, you can't. She could just reap and re re reach into your chest and rip out your heart. Defeat that with a sword. But it works. And that's the second time that episode that he bursts in. Because the first time he comes in with the hat. And he wants to know about the hat. And he wants to know about the enchanted forest. Well, the first time he knocks. She okay. lets him in. They have she a lets him in. Sure. Um, but he has a very good read on her in that scene. Oh, yeah. He says he knows that she's having problems with magic. And he's not scared. And then he says, you earned every bit of this, which is... He's right. I'm not saying he's not right, but that is a very brave thing to say to a woman that just tried to choke you out a few hours ago. But he's not afraid of her. Yeah, I guess. I mean, the truth of the matter is he's just not afraid of her. She might kill him, but he's still not scared. And what's funny is that not only is he not afraid of her, he even says the only reason you're alive is that Henry wishes it so. Mm -hmm. Which is the first instance of him talking uh, like royalty. Like, he doesn't talk like that normally. And then the second time, he basically threatens her. He's going to kill her. Which is funny because Emma was promised not to 
kill Regina, but he seems to not really care about that promise, and he'll do it himself if necessary. I mean, also, she took Henry. She took him. I think he felt like this long before she took him. I don't know that he would have acted on it before she took him, though. I don't I believe he specifically says that's Regina's problem in the last episode. Yes, but then he agrees to follow Emma. He agrees to not get in trouble with his wife, too. I see. <laughs> um, he does have some real tunnel vision in this episode about the, like, the town is looking to him for help. He's never actually had to necessarily lead in this way. He even says, I did the fighting, Snow did the talking. No, thy strengths. <laughs> he's not, he's not used to this scenario. Uh, but he just, he wants to save Snow and Emma. He's, he, he has no idea what to do about the town. Everyone, they're in like a, like a FEMA situation. They've got cots at the school. Like if, if the Wraith destroyed your house, there's cots at the school. Love that line. Just. So this is a show with very strong, badass women. Why are they looking to Prince Charming for leadership here? They got plenty of strong women who can lead them. I mean, I think. Ruby does step up quite a bit she in does. this episode. She's really helping to direct traffic. She is the one that goes right up to Charming. But, I mean, in in the Enchanted Forest, he was one of their leaders. But it's not like they don't have other people who could, like... Yep. Mother Superior should be able to do this. Granny should be able to do this. Ruby should be able to do this. There are plenty of people who should be able to step up here. And instead, they all, like, they kind of act like damsels in distress here. Like, oh, Prince Charming, please lead us and save us. And can we just talk about... Dr. Whale being so fucking inappropriate. There's there, a wraith just like destroyed their town and they just found out that they can't cross the town line. And he says, hey, so so can the nuns date here? This is the important question that he needed to ask Charming. Okay, so to his credit, he is consistent. It's true, he's very consistent. And he always has his eye on the target. Now, is that always a good thing? Probably never. But he is consistent in that the only thing he is... Th- what did they call him in that episode where he's trying a to pick lech. up... A He's a lech. He is who he is and he makes no apologies for it. Absolutely. But I do want to go back to Charming and Know Thy Strengths. His speech is really good. He he got those words together. The we are both thing. It's, it's very reminiscent of Live Together, Die Alone from Lost. Hmm. Which is... Uh, if we can't learn to live together, we're all going to die alone. Sure. Uh, and he, he, you know, he, and I think it's kind of, he accepts who he is and he really accepts the bad choices that he made as David Nolan, but that they are a part of who he is and it reminds him of who he wants to be, which is what he's doing right now. No, that's fair. And he convinces everyone to turn around. They all turn around. No one tries to leave. Yeah. I mean, look, it, it works. It's just shocking that like, as he even said Snow did all the talking. So mm-hmm. why on earth did they even think he had that in him in the first place? That They would have never heard this from Charming. They're just guessing. I mean, it is also part... The, the entire reason that they're here is because Snow, Charming, and Blue convinced them that this curse with the Emma coming back to save them was the thing to do. Yeah, but that was like a small council. Sure. There wasn't a whole town. The whole town wasn't present for that conversation. No, they didn't true. like get a meeting together and be like, hey, we're accepting this curse. Um, but yes, no, he does, he does a really good job of essentially filling in. I think he basically kind of adopts the mantle of sheriff. Yeah. And he hasn't, he, he will later call himself the sheriff in this season, sure. but he has not yet done that, but he's very much being the he's sheriff. He's acting like the sheriff yeah. right now. 
Yeah, no, I, I mean, I think this is a good episode for Charming as far as, like, he, he steps up and fills a leadership void. That's probably the best way I can describe that, even though that's not his natural nature. Can we talk about Regina and Henry? Absolutely. Um, Henry is very brave and immediately knows what Regina wants when she storms into the town hall meeting and agrees to go with her to protect everyone. Brave, huh? You don't think that's brave? I think it's bravery for Charming to storm in on Regina because Regina will kill him. I think if I know the evil queen, literally is not going to lay a finger on me. Okay. Bravery maybe isn't the right It's word. not what he wants, though. It's, it's a sacrifice. I think sure. it is a sacrifice and it's noble. I just don't know that bravery is the word I would use here. He then immediately tries to escape. <laughs> In like the worst manner ever. Did he already have those sheets tied together in his room? Like, he just instantly grabs them and throws them out the window. Also, he runs upstairs and runs out the window. So, like, couldn't she just, like, go downstairs? Even if she hadn't used magic, she could just walk back down the stairs and just be standing there when he lands and be like, okay, going back inside now. Ridiculous. So, I just want to point out, 10-year-old boy snuck away to Boston, came up with his master plan to get out of the town, but couldn't figure out a way to sneak past Regina here? She does have magic now. But she didn't need to use magic here. His plan was terrible. Yeah, it was It was really bad. Although he uh, he comes in with the cutting lines. How long am I in prison until I grow up? Which is funny because this talks about the fact that he was growing up in, in prison essentially during this curse. Yeah. Like she cursed him without intending to curse him. And then he, I mean, he straight up brings that up to her face. The way you treated me wasn't an accident. You made made it so no one would believe me. You made me feel like I was crazy. Well, she gaslit oh, She absolutely did that. But I just, he he says that directly to her face. And I think she her first instinct, she tries to bribe him with that ridiculous cupcake. Hey, that cupcake was legit, though. He he wasn't having none of that. She's already tried to bribe Henry before. And he's, he's not, bribing also is tried, not the way to get to Henry. She also tried to bribe him. It just felt like Hansel and Gretel part two. Yeah. And it never was going to work. I don't know why she didn't learn from that. And I also thought the parallel when he when he says no one will come over here because they're afraid of you. Rumble and Bay. Yeah. Yep. No, I agree. I saw that too. Um, <laughs> Doesn't she say you can make them not afraid of me? Yes. Yep. That's, that's, that's how that works. That's what she says. Um, and then he says, I don't want to be you. And I think that really mm. resonates with her because she doesn't didn't want to be her mother and she now sees that's exactly who she's become she's trying to shape her son into the person that she wants him to be that she could never be essentially Mm -hmm. here's the one thing that bothers me about this scene why in the hell did she just not apologize if you are truly sorry for what you did and you want your son to love you you should have said i was consumed by rage but i should have never let you get caught up in this i was focused on charming and snow and what I did to you was terrible, and I was wrong, and I'm genuinely sorry that I poisoned you in my attempt to kill your biological mother. I'm deeply sorry that you got hurt. Because she's her own worst enemy. And she does apologize to him in the later scene when she decides to let him go when David shows up. Uh, but she doesn't say quite all of that. But she does say, I don't know how to love very well, which is not untrue. <laughs> it's not, but it's like a... It came off as more of an excuse than uh, an apology. Like, I'm broken, so I I don't know how to do this, right? As opposed to, I'm just sorry that I did it. But she does say, also say, I'm sorry I lied to you. Yep. That's like one of the 15 (laughs) bad things things she did. But then she lets him go. She does the right thing and she lets him go. And she says, 
I want to redeem myself, and I want you to be here because you want to be here. Yeah, no, that is, like, the one good thing she does. Yeah. Um, it's also interesting to me, too, that... So let's talk about, I guess, Regina. When she does the, like, uh, town hall... Mm-hmm. What do we call it? Like, break-in or entrance, whatever. I don't know what exactly you're referring to. When she, like, kicks the door and she's got her magic back. She's storming the town hall. I don't know. It's actually very uh, reminiscent of the opening scene when she storms into the wedding. Yes, yeah, it is. Very much like they're in a line and they're yes, all freaked out. And uh, Archie says something, which I don't know what the hell is wrong with Archie. And she bugs and just sends him away. And, and then Leroy rushes and, and you know, she's just uh, flaunting her power. And then I love the scene where the fireball is lighting the thing behind her. And uh-huh. she's just standing there looking like a badass. Um, and she just takes her son back and says, that's my boy. I don't understand how she saw that. And that was what she wanted. That's just ex- she wanted him to come with her. And I just, I think she's seeing exactly what she wants to see in this scene because she's very much deluding herself about the scenario that she's currently in. Okay. Um, That scene also, one of the best lines she hits uh, Charming with is, I don't have my magic or my son back right now, but when I get one of them, I get the other, and you don't want to be around when that happens. Now, that is a stone-cold threat from someone who you know is willing to do it. Oh, yeah. And he, again, was not scared. He doesn't even flinch. (laughs) Like, a lot of people would cower in her presence, and he's just like, I don't care. Do your worst. Do you have anything else you want to talk to talk about except for the very last scene, the, like, present-day story, uh, Enchanted Forest? Want to talk about August real quick? Oh, yeah, we can talk about August. What? What was he doing? Was he just laying there, just trying to figure out what to do? So, I think that we're meant to... I think the scene where he, like, opens his eyes, where he's wood... I think we're meant to believe that that happened when the, immediately when the so curse simultaneously broke. with the curse being yeah. broken. Okay, um, but they just didn't they didn't have time to show us that in sure. the previous episode, and I think he's just been gone for a while. Okay. And I thought it was very sweet when Henry tells Geppetto that uh, August is upstairs, which is had he not? I guess he had never. Oh, because the curse has only been recently broken. But yeah, and apparently he didn't figure out that the gentleman that was helping him in his shop was Pinocchio. Or maybe he did know that, but he just didn't know where he was. That's fair. I mean, it's funny because um, August makes the line towards Rumpel about, like, you saw what you wanted to see. Do I even look like him? You could make the same argument to Geppetto, like, doesn't he? But he doesn't really look like... He really doesn't. So it's very He does weird. not look like a cherub-faced, red-haired little boy. No, nah, that's not the... <laughs> Because he has to be dark-haired and stubbly. Mm-hmm, of course. Okay. Uh, yeah, other than that, I think I'm good. Um, okay, so, like, our very last scene is Emma and Snow are prisoners of Mulan, who is very distrustful of them and thinks that they are the reason that the Wraith killed Philip. And they come to some sort of camp, which is apparently where there's a group of people that escaped Regina's curse that live in the Enchanted Forest in this camp together. Refugees. Yeah. Uh, Snow tries to escape, uh, but... Mulan is a badass and somehow knocks her out with... Bolo? Yeah, by hitting her in the back. I mean, Batman does that. Like, I've seen him use those kind of things before. Usually he ties people up and like, by the ankles. I don't get why that knocked her out, but okay, yeah. whatever. Also, I don't... Mulan just, like, looked around, picked up something, and threw it. It wasn't even something she was carrying. Also, I believe Snow hits the princess... Does she? I'm pretty sure she needs Aurora. Oh, yikes. Which I'm pretty sure is punishable by death in the Enchanted Forest. Probably. You are not allowed to strike a royal. And I'm pretty sure I remember thinking, like, why didn't she need Mulan? That's the threat. Like, if you get away from her, you're fine. But she, like, takes down Aurora. So, 
that's going to be interesting. Yeah. Also, I find it hard to believe that no one recognized Snow White. Yeah, I think that that is really unusual. When A, she's a royal, so you would know her. B, Regina had put up wanted posters all over the Enchanted Forest, so you would be very familiar with what this woman looks like. Even if you knew what she looks like as a teenager, she hasn't changed that much. Yeah, it is pretty surprising. It it, it it's really surprising to me that Aurora doesn't know who she is. Yeah, if Mulan is maybe from far away. Sure. Some of these the peasants that <laughs> that survived, they might live in somebody else's uh, in somebody else's kingdom, and they probably don't get a ton of news because they live in the woods. Yeah, but like we even see in like King George's kingdom that yeah. Snow White has wanted posters. I think we later find out in Sherwood Forest there's wanted posters. Like and even says everyone knows who Snow White is. Yeah, it's it's pretty weird. She's that the no fairest in all the land. And then they get thrown into a prison cell with Cora, who we saw go through a mirror into another realm, which is Wonderland. Yep. An annoying little land, I think he calls yes. it. Um, a, it's shocking to me that Cora's in there. So my guess is that Cora's only going to be in there because she wants to be in there. Same way that Rumpelstiltskin is only in jail because he wants to be in jail. Exactly. Um, two, how the hell did she get out of Wonderland? That would be mm -hmm. my next question. And then why is Mary Margaret still knocked out? <laughs> like, they just dump her on the ground. Yeah, I don't know. Apparently it was a it was a strong hit. And their plan was to run away cuffed, huh? Yep, that was the plan. Like I feel like Mary Margaret has been captured enough times she would know better than this. You would think so. I would Maybe think she, so. Maybe she she was desperate. Desperate souls, I guess. Sure. Anything else? Um no, I, I think we're good for now. What was your favorite moment in the episode? I, I have two. Okay. Uh Terrible news! It's just great. So good. The timing is fantastic. But my favorite moment is actually Charming and Regina's standoff. Mm, it's yeah. just great. Because it's both of them throwing fire. And normally when Regina throws fire like that, people cower. And Charming doesn't even blink. Yeah. Just not scared of her, which I appreciate. I love their sparring. It's just great. I love it too. Mine is unsurprisingly when Regina says she wants to redeem herself. Shocking. <laughs> it's a beautiful moment. It is an adorable moment. Uh, most ridiculous moment. Leroy shoving Sneezy. <laughs> That's a good one. I mean, it was just so, like, reckless. Now, yeah, I get it. They needed to, and they drew straws. I wonder, though, had Leroy drawn the short straw. I don't even think Leroy took a straw. I think he gave everybody else straws, and he was facilitating the straw drawing. <laughs> thinker. Yeah, he's a thinker. Okay, okay. Yours? Uh, mine is Regina trying to bribe Henry with that enormous cupcake. She's already tried bribery. She did it with the video game console. He wasn't into it. She should have known bribery wouldn't work on him. And she gives him this cupcake that is more frosting than cupcake and looks like something that would come... I, it looks like something that would come from the Burned Witch's house. It does look like something that would come from the Burned Witch's house. Not a good choice, Regina. And she tried this with the video game console before, right? She tries to give him yeah. like, the video game... Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it doesn't work. Who's your loser of the episode? My runner-up is Cora. Okay. Because she assumes that Regina can't pull the trigger and, in fact, is wrong. I had a hard time, and then I kind of thought about it, and I was like, Sneezy. Mm, yeah, that's a good one. He, he lost his memories all for, I guess, for everyone is to realize that they can't cross the town line. I almost put the town of Storybrooke. Yeah, that's, a, I mean. <laughs> yeah. But, so I just went with Sneezy on this one, but the town would probably be my runner-up and Cora would be my third place loser. I also have Cora. Um, I mean, in present day in the Enchanted Forest, we, has, we assume she has something going on here. 
But she got pushed into an annoying little land. She grossly miscalculated her daughter. And she... This is where we really see that she has created multi-generational trauma for her daughter and her grandson. Yeah. <laughs> not not good. Core situation is not good. I also have Regina question mark here. She she I I couldn't I just I mean she she gets Henry back and loses him and realizes that she has become the person that she wanted to be least in her entire life. I don't I mean she I think she she gets her power back. She does some pretty cool shit in this episode. It's really hard to call her the loser. I, I don't. I would. I that's why I said this question mark. Sure. But becoming the person that you vowed not to be is pretty bad. That's not unfair. <laughs> Who's your winner? Regina. <laughs> really? Yeah. So the downside is that she became the person that she detests most. Um, I think there's a lot of growth in this episode in the present day storybook of her mm-hmm. realizing that, in fact, she's become the monster she Completely didn't want agree. to be. Like, if she looked in the mirror, she would hate herself. So, finally accepting that she did bad things to Henry was an important growth point for her. She does have her power back, which is very important for her. She does have one of the more badass, storming, basically the castle type scenes. And I just feel like a, a lot of people lost a lot of things here. And while she did lose Henry, I think it's the first chance that she really has to actually gain Henry. Mm-hmm. Like, she she sees the end of the line. It may be a ways away, but she knows how she has to do it now. Which, for her, I don't think she ever knew how to get someone to love her. So uh-huh. she just tried bribery and fear and intimidation. And now she knows that like she has to do something else, which is going to be hard for her. But at least she has like that path. I also don't know that I have anybody else who really like gained what they wanted. So I'm curious to see who your winner is. Mine is charming. Oh, interesting. Um, although I I don't disagree with what you said. I also did not feel strongly that she was the loser of this episode. Um, but I think he comes into his own as the leader of this town, especially in Snow and Emma's absence. He convinces everyone to stay. And he has regained hope. He was feeling pretty hopeless at the beginning of this episode. Mm. I mean, he's chasing Jefferson around with a hat. <laughs> He, he gets gold to give him something. Like, he's... He, he charges in on Regina. And he gets what he wanted. He won. He got Henry back. That's not what he wanted. Well, yeah, he wants Snow and Emma back. But he also got Henry back, so... Um, yeah, I don't know. I think I think he had a good episode. He's becoming... He's becoming the leader he's meant to be here. <laughs> it's funny. It's funny you say meant to be. Because I really don't feel like he's the leader who's... He's not meant to be leader. Snow is the leader. It's her kingdom. Yeah, Snow is the leader. But he he's he's meant to support Snow in all ways. And he does care. Oh, he, he cares very does. much about the town. And I think expanding his skills to talking in addition to fighting. I think if he had his preference, he would let Snow do the talking. And yeah. he would do the fighting. That's what he, he likes leading people into battle. In a family who is this prone to accidents and portals and magic beans. curses. You gotta be prepared to do both the fighting and the talking. I guess you can't really have split roles when you're apart all of the time. That's true. Which, how do they bond ever? That's a great question. What must their dinner conversation, unlike a normal day... What do you think they sit around the dinner table and talk about? What'd you do today? Oh, I stormed the Queen's house. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, what are Henry and Charming talking about at Granny's? So much. So <laughs> many things. Or, like, imagine the stories that I'm sure that he... Like, I would love to just have a whole episode of just, like, stories from, like, Charming to Henry. Like, he could read him bedtime stories of his real life for the rest of Henry's childhood. I feel like... 
Charming's vibe in this episode is number one grandpa. Like, he needs, oh, yeah. like, a mug that says number one grandpa. Uh, the scene where they both drink the soda in the exact same mannerism, I mm-hmm. thought was like, oh, that's pretty cute. Like, you could tell. They're related, and it's, like, just the same. And they also have very similar behavior styles. Like, Charming and Henry both have tunnel vision. Yeah. Now, Henry's 10, so you understand it. But they both, once they are locked into doing something, they literally are not going to let anything in the world stop them. Absolutely. Uh, okay, so next week we are going to watch season two, episode three, Lady of the Lake, uh, which is the episode where we get to see Snow and Charming get married. Oh, which this means this is the final episode in which we see Charming's mother. Mm-hmm. I do recall liking that episode. I, I, I think I said this before. I love the interaction between Charming and his mother. One of the few good parents in the Enchanted Forest is his mother. Like, even when she makes a mistake, she immediately realizes it was a mistake. So I'm happy to see her one more time. I'm glad that they get married. Um, do we see Lancelot in this episode? Yes. That, so Arthurian lore is not something I thought we were going to go to in season two. That was a bit shocking. Even though I know that Lady of the Lake, I think, is also from that. Yeah. But, I mean, that's not where I thought they were going to go so I mean, it's a, pretty, it's a pretty short bypass. I know, but I mean, just to be referencing those, especially when we've just introduced Sleeping Beauty mm-hmm. and Philip, and, and we don't get a whole lot from them in this episode. Nope. And then, of course, the entire Enchanted Forest is back. So what other characters might be back? That's kind of like my number one question now. I want to know what happened to August. That's a that's a big question that I have. Geppetto goes up to find him and he's not there. And I want to know what Cora, what Cora's plan is. As you said, she's not in that prison by accident. You know what my number one question is, though? What? Who was that random dude from the cold open and see in episode one? Yeah, you're going to keep waiting on that. What a, what a, I don't know what the timing was, but that decision to introduce him and then just not come back to him is shocking to me. Yeah. Uh, you're going to be waiting for a while. You know what it feels like? You remember when uh, Gold did a spot of gardening? And I swear I asked for like a half a season of what on earth what he was doing. And then we find out. This feels like part two of that. I think you're going to have to wait until episode 14. Oh my God. <laughs> there might, maybe, maybe we'll learn something before that. But I'm... Pr- uh, we will get to see him again. No, you're going to see, see him again in episode six. But I don't know if you're going to find out who he is until episode 14. The The long-term planning of Rumpel's schemes are always one of my favorite things. The long-term waiting for the end of his schemes kills me sometimes. Imagine how he must feel. He's I a mean, patient man. But he's only li- One can only be so patient. He's lived for thousands of years, so patience is relative for him. So please be sure to join us next time when we watch Season 2, Episode 3, Lady of the Lake. We'll see you next time.